It's September 28th, 2022. Welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe right here on Hawaii Public Radio, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum, and of course, uh, this week uh, we'll jump right into our conversation and we'll be talking about a kind of a movement in education called What Could Schools Be? But first, I wanted to share with you all uh, an event that's coming up. The University of Hawaii's Institute for Astronomy is the host for this year's NASA Space Apps Challenge. It's the largest annual space and science hackathon in the world and uh, has over something like 25,000 participants globally. The event runs from 9 a.m. on October 1st, and it goes all the way till midnight, October 2nd. And then uh, they will have both uh, virtual participants and in-person activities over at the Institute for Astronomy over at uh, Manoa. And that's going to take place, you know, at uh, from 9 to 5 on both of those days. And, of course, the virtual event is open to our, all participate all participants throughout Hawaii. And you can learn more about the Space Apps Challenge at www.spaceappschallenge.org. And, of course, I'll put that up on our show notes for later on. But now I do want to welcome... Uh, a bunch of uh, education innovators, and of course, I'll you know I'll start with uh, one of the uh, tech Sherpa innovators over at Oceanet, Ian Kitajima, and of course, we've got the director of the Case Accelerator for Student Entrepreneurship, Mark Lockridge, and we've also got Josh Rapoon. He's the ambassador for What Could Schools Be? And I want to welcome you all to Bite Marks Cafe. Great to be here. Thank you, Bert. Great to be here. Okay, so the show is all about what could school be, and I am going to start off by asking Josh, what could school be, and what is this movement you've started? I, I and I know you, you know this has been something that you've been doing for a while, so it's not something brand new, and and I think it might have been called something different a little, you know, I guess uh, before the pandemic. But what is uh, what is the latest incarnation of of uh, this? education innovation movement that you've uh, started? Wow, thank you, Bert. I, I really appreciate the question. Um, so I am an evangelist and an ambassador for whatschoolcouldbe.org, um, which is what school could be, the organization, the movement. Um, I'm also the host of the What School Could Be podcast, mm-hmm. which you can find in any of uh, the podcast stores out there. And so, Bert, my response to your question is actually that um, now that I'm approaching my 100th episode over three years and pretty astonished to be at the 50,000 download mark, the answer to the question, Bert, is that you will find that answer when you interview 100 educators out there because they know what school could be. And I have had the privilege over the last three years of first interviewing educators from Hawaii, but then starting last January, I started interviewing people not only in Hawaii, but outside of Hawaii. And every single time I do an episode with an educator or an education leader, I spend several weeks getting prepared for that interview. And what I find is just astonishing, Bert. It's like Innovation, creativity, and imagination is bubbling up from the grassroots level in education, not only in Hawaii, but across the nation and globally. And I think that really 
what we need to be paying attention to are the voices of these educators um, as they share with us, the general public, through podcasts, through their writing, through conferences that they present at, what school could be. And so, you know, that's really where my mind goes when you ask me about where we are at this particular moment. Um, and just real quick, before I finish up this part, um, we have formed something called the Global Online Community um, at whatschoolcouldbe.org. So this has um, got almost 10,000 members after only a year and a half of development. And all of these educators are gathering together to focus on very specific things, mostly student-driven learning. We are very definitely um, not fans of overly standardized education. And so student-driven learning that's based on real-world challenges and developing caring and connected communities um, and really mobilizing communities around student-driven learning is really what we're all about. And that's what I'm hearing from all my guests who I interview both in Hawaii and outside of Hawaii. So before, before I, I get to Ian and Mark, uh, are there any, let's say, distilled gems that you've arrived at as a result of interviewing all those, all these educators as to oh, yeah. what could school be? What would you, oh, how would yeah. you articulate some, some examples? Bert, absolutely. In fact, the, the last episode that I released, which I think was my 94th, um, was with a young woman named Jackie Freitas. And Jackie teaches natural sciences and agriculture at Lelihua High School here in, in Honolulu, in uh, uh, West Honolulu. And wow, Bert, what she is doing with her partners, and I think Ian will probably speak to this in a minute, in terms of developing um, kids' skills and habits and dispositions on the cutting edge of ag tech. So these are people who are growing lettuce in hydroponic environments with solar, with solar arrays that are, that are generating energy, and they're, they're flying drones, they're, they're coding computers. Um, it blew me away to get prepared for that interview with Jackie, and what she told me blew me away. And here it is, out of sight, invisible almost, in, in uh, the Kunia Plain. And everybody should know about what she's doing. I mean, these are kids who are going to be shaping the future, Bert. They're going to be shaping the future of agriculture. And if they don't go into agriculture, they're going to be shaping the future of whatever they go into because all of these skills are super transferable. And they're people who will, these are kids who are going to get hired in all kinds of places because of the way that Jackie is training them. And, and so, Josh, uh, what, you're, what you're describing as, is as a result of your interviews with 100 educa- educators here in Hawaii. You're not, you're not talking about national. You're talking about here uh, specifically in, in our Hawaii community and what could school be I- in Hawaii. No, no, actually not true, Bert. Oh, okay. I, as, again, as I said last January, I started interviewing people outside of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And what's beautiful about that is that it's not only expanding my horizons. I did an interview with a woman, uh, with a, an elementary school teacher in Minnesota, very rural Minnesota, who's absolutely knocking it out of the park. And she broadened my horizons as a podcast host, Bert. And then as I go forward with each episode, whether it's somebody in Hawaii or somebody outside of Hawaii, I learn more and more and more, and that makes my questions better, in a sense, in terms of bringing the stories to the surface. So what we're talking about, student-driven learning, real-world challenges, authentic place-based learning, this is happening not just in Hawaii but outside of Hawaii, but Hawaii can be a model to the rest of the nation in terms of how we do this. we just got to tie it all together 
and really make it work for the kids. Well, that's a great uh, segue to to maybe have Ian, you know, share a little bit of the work that he's been doing and 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 how Hawaii could be a model. And Ian, you know, as long as I've known you, you've uh, always been an 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 innovator on the leading edge. You know, whether it's in private sector business or uh, the work you do in education, what is it that that uh, Josh has has shared with us, and what is the influence that that Josh and you know his work with uh, Ted Dintersmith and you know what could schools be? How does that? How does how how has that rubbed off on mm. you? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think I mean as so much of it validates and leads a lot of the efforts that we've been doing over the last <clears throat> I don't know fifteen years or so, and you know so much of it I think has to come back to how do you make how do you make um, learning uh, inspiring and engaging. Uh, for young people, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so for us, it's it's you know, it's how do we bring all of this uh, real-world um, clients and projects and technologies that we're working on, and how do we uh, expose uh, teachers and students to this future that um, they're going to walk into? And so, um, you know, it takes visionary, you know. Uh, partners and teachers and and clients and you know and you know a great example is you know it's sniffing at dot highways mm-hmm. we have a poly highway project where we're doing a speed study where we're collecting all this data along poly highway and we're working with pathway to purpose to actually have students from across the state help kind of learn how to do storytelling with data mm-hmm. right but they're getting exposed to latest the latest and greatest stuff at the same time learning some skills and um yeah, so again, it's part of it is how do we bring this relevance and technology and the cutting-edge stuff to to young people uh, and get them excited about learning? Yeah, no, that's great. And, and I, I do want to uh, kind of ask you folks how this scales across the, let's say, our uh, Department of Education system. Uh, but I, I do want to also give uh, Mark a chance to share some of the work that he's been doing and, you know, how does uh, those innovations kind of get get students excited about uh, th- this whole new world of ours. Well, hold that thought. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation about what school could be with Ian Kitajima, Mark Lockridge, and Josh Rapoon. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Oceanet's Tech Sherpa, Sherpa Ian Kitajima. And, of course, we've got also the director of the Case Center for Student Entrepreneurship, Mark Lockridge, and Josh Rapoon, the ambassador for what could what school could be. And, of course, right before the break, uh, Ian was sharing with us a little bit about the work that he's been doing and. You know, Ian, you got you know you got the, uh, the AI work. You got you know with the, the, the Department of Transportation, and and you know you got all this uh, Altino work that's going on with uh, learning learning robotics. Now, I know you could go on and on, but I want to give Mark a chance to talk about some of the things that he's been doing. And and uh, Mark, why don't you share some of the projects that uh, inspire students? 
Sounds great. So it's actually the, the projects that students take on that inspire me and uh, other educators. But um, I want to say thank you for uh, putting together this show, and it's a real honor to be here with you, also with Josh and Ian, who do fabulous work. So uh, as you mentioned, I'm serving as the uh, inaugural director for the Case Accelerator for Student Entrepreneurship at Punahou School. And I'm sort of new to um, education. My career has been as an entrepreneur, uh, actually in the games industry. Mm -hmm. And um, I was able to, you know, get that American dream and um, uh, sell my stake, retire. And my kids went off to college. Uh, and uh, I was like, well, what am I going to do now? Start a new company? Or I, I thought the best thing I could do is jump into education and hopefully um, help inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs to um, achieve their dreams. So... I, it's a real thrill to work with students. What we try to do is connect them with a challenge that they care about in the wider world. And that, I think, picks up on themes that Josh and Ian were sharing. And um, we have a uh, sort of a portfolio project-based approach to this sort of work. And we, we take the kids through the entrepreneurial journey, um, developing an elevator pitch for why they're tackling the problem they're tackling, who does it affect, uh, why is it important? How are they showing up with a, a new solution? Um, and, and what sort of impacts are they going to have? And it's not just, uh, you know, off in just the school setting. These are real projects in the real world that they engage in and, and have real impact. And it's just wonderful to see how jazzed they get about uh, having those impacts. And I have a couple of examples. Maybe we can bring them up uh, later in the show or I can speak to them if you like now. Yeah, why don't, you, why don't you give us a quick taste of that? Okay, so uh, two different projects started by students uh, on uh, very different ends of the spectrum. So one uh, girl, she collects plastic trash out of the ocean. She's very concerned about microplastics that are in marine animals, also in our own bodies. And what she does is she turns that trash into treasure in that she makes uh, keychains that are very beautiful, like the shape of a sea turtle, but it has suspended in it those those bits of plastic. And it, the really clever thing about what she's doing is when you have that as a keychain, like I do, it's with you all day long. And it's a reminder. It's very poignant. It's beautiful, and you look at it in the odd moments, but it also just reminds you of what's going on. And when you purchase one of these, you know that you're, you're helping a little bit in your own way because she's now become one of the top donors to Malama Manalua, which is a nonprofit that helps um, restore our nearshore environment. And she sold over 2,000 of these keychains, raised awareness and funds for this cause that she cares about. So that's an example. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. Now, Josh, you know, here's a, here's a, a couple of uh, education in, uh, innovators, and they're, they're talking about projects that uh, are taking place, you know, right here in our, in our communities. How do you see that scaling? And, and it, it probably, it, you know, obviously needs a scale if... Uh, you're looking at some systemic changes and and achieving you know the goals of what school could be. How do you see this this scaling in in at least in Hawaii? Yeah, thank you, Bert. Um, I'm actually going to first piggyback real quickly on what Mark was saying a minute ago. I want to give another example. Mark's example is awesome uh, because it's you know rooted in the environment. I did a podcast episode with a young man, Kavika Kekoa Pegram who's a Waipahu High School graduate, and he has been nationally involved in the students who are working to address climate change, to address social justice issues, 
gun violence and things like that. And, you know, what Mark is talking about and what I heard very clearly from Kekoa is, you know, when you have the opportunities to work on these things, they may not end up being your quote-unquote passion project, but you get to be involved in something with a purpose. You get to be involved in something that's outside of yourself and that can make the community a better place. And so I just think that's so important. I think Mark and Ian and I could probably provide example after example after example. But to address your question directly, I think two things are super important in terms of scaling up. One is that teacher uh, professional development needs to really focus on the idea of stepping away from being the content provider, the sage on the stage, the, you know, the person with the gospel, and stepping into a new role, which is guide, mentor, sponsor, coach. That's one thing. And then the other thing we really need to scale up is to have uh, school, public, private, and charter school principals and vice principals, administrators, who actually really step up behind these educators who are stepping out and innovating and trying new things and being the coach and the guide and the mentor, and to be the coach and guide and mentor for them. In other words, not manage your faculty, but support your faculty, really support them as they move forward and develop themselves as you know grassroots innovators. I think that's absolutely huge in terms of scaling up, and I We'll do I'm just trying to do everything I can to, to shine a light on where that's happening through mm-hmm. the podcast and everything else we're doing at what school could be. And and Ian, you know, you've had uh you've been at this for a while. I mean you and I we've had you on the radio talking about Altino and and you've gone through a number of, of uh yep. schools and and you've seen the organic growth of it. How do you how do you Answer that question about scaling, and, and, yeah. and what is it that you yeah. see in schools that will will take on the, the challenge of, of whether it's AI or, or Altino uh, and, and help you kind of get it into more hands, more student hands? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, Josh brought up a really important point. I mean, the innovation and the, the way to make this stuff work is actually with teachers. I mean, so a lot of our work is exposing and training, uh, providing professional development training for teachers, because that's the only way it really scales within the school system. And, and part of it is to do things so that it actually happens during the school day. So that's where I think a, a lot of us provide you know, professional de- development accredita- you know, accred- accredited trainings for educators. But I, I want to say that one of the big insights that happened during the pandemic or one of the breakthroughs that happened during the pandemic is normally to bring relevance, companies want to help, but the problem is we're, we're like high-priced attorneys. We, 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 we can't give a whole lot of time. So, you know, we can give one or two hours to a school or things like that. But what happened during the pandemic was as we worked with DOT Highways, they actually allowed us to incorporate students into our actual projects and provided the additional resources. So, uh, you know, a uh, my applied AI guy, Mark Kimura, could actually work with students. And right now, we're actually doing a 16-week program with um, students, high school students, to teach them and expose them to artificial intelligence and data and storytelling. Like, that's, that's how you make huge impacts and how you – and, again, we're doing it online so that more and more students can participate. But 
so th this is a hard thing to do, but again, the scale issue comes from working with teachers, using technologies, and then also working with visionary partners uh, like DOT Highways and Pathway to Purpose and Josh and Mark and others. You know, it takes a lot of uh, support and resources to, to make this thing scale. Well, you know, and I, I do want to give uh, Josh another chance to, to kind of, how do you see this kind of getting the eyes and ears and attention of, of some of the, the leadership within like a, like a DOE. So when hold that thought, we'll be right back after this short break and continue our conversation with Ian Kitajima, Mark Lockridge, and Josh Rapoon. And of course, we're talking about what school could be. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Oceanet's Tech Sherpa, Ian Kitajima. We've got the director of the Case Center for Student Entrepreneurship, Mark Lockridge, and Josh Rapoon, the ambassador for what school could be. And of course, right before the break, uh, you know, Ian was sharing experiences with, you know, getting getting students involved with real world uh, challenges. And and you know, and, and Josh, yeah, I mean, I know you were. Answering the question about how this scales, how do you how do you get the attention of, of uh, you know, let's say DOE leadership, and and is that necessary? Is it is it uh, the leadership that needs to be convinced, or is it is it better to just have it organically grown? I mean, what's what's uh, your strategy, and and that could lead into the the fact that you folks are all going to be on a panel uh, with the uh, Hawaii Venture Capital Association, and and maybe that's another influencing. Uh, event, I think that would help to, you know, get more people uh, eyes and ears onto this uh, this uh, movement. <clears throat> so, Josh, I mean, what 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 do you what's your strategy? Is it is it uh, the leadership you have to convince, or is it just organic growth? Well, I think Bert, it's a combination of both, and I, I appreciate you uh, allowing us to do a shout out for this panel that's happening on October 18th at Entrepreneurs Sandbox um, at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, this is an awesome partnership between what school could be Hawaii Venture Capital Association, Nellie James, and Funder Hui. And what we're doing is we're, we've put together a panel, which, of course, includes Mark and Ian, and I'll be moderating with Nellie. Um, but also on that panel is Susan Yamada uh, from Pace and also um, John Allen uh, from Sea Rider Productions. He's now the director of that program, and also Ted Dindersmith, uh, who's the founder of What School Could Be and the executive producer of the film Most Like It is Succeeding. He's coming back to Hawaii for his 13th visit. So to answer your question, absolutely it has to be both. Um, I think one of the ways to approach um, top-tier leadership, especially in the public schools and also public charter schools, but even in private schools as well, is to include them in everything that we do. So, you know, Ian and I are working on a couple of events where – um, top-tier leadership are being invited in, and we're trying to keep it kind of casual, sort of talk story, you know, bento uh, dinner plate, and a chance in a small setting to be able to have people like Keith Hayashi, our new superintendent, hear from experts without um, being under the pressure of the lights and without, you know, the pressure of all the things that he has to take care of. 
just a chance to kind of talk about what it really means when we invest in kids, which is the subject of the panel. Um, what happens when we really invest in kids and do the kinds of things that Mark is doing at Punahou in terms of boosting student entrepreneurship, especially entrepreneurship that is focused on making the community a better place. But I think also the other part to that answer is that we have to elevate the educators. We have to shine a, a light on them. That's why I'm so committed to this podcast, because when the educator stories are out there in the public, that means that the top tier leadership, especially in public schools, is really going to be seeing what they're doing. And oftentimes they don't. They're just doing their thing. They have to manage the entire school system. And so for them to be able to hear the stories of these educators everywhere from Ka'u all the way to Lanai to Molokai to Maui to Kauai to Hawaii Island and Oahu, if they hear these stories, then they're going to really understand where the thing, the thing, quote unquote, is going in terms of student-driven learning, and, you know, they'll, they'll start to support it. I think that's just really important. No, that's great. And, and, uh, and Mark, with uh, your role over at, uh, at Punahou and, and, of course, uh, you know, being a part of the, the Case Accelerator for Student Entrepreneurship, how do you see that not only being a benefit to, you know, the, the students at Punahou, but, but to the larger community uh, around across all of Hawaii. And I know, you know, you and you and I and, and uh, uh, um, Steve Sue, we did the, the Hack for EDU, and I think that was kind of a, a precursor to some of the entrepreneur, <laughs> entrepreneurship uh, tools that you provided to some, some of the student uh, teams that were involved in. And that might have been a kind of a precursor to what you're doing over at, at Punahou. But how do you see this uh, work that you're doing scale beyond Punahou? Great question. And so uh, I, I love everything that's been said, and I want to hopefully bring a, a new dimension to it as well. So I feel that uh, celebrating what the students do and when they go out into the community and um, give back through what they love doing, that's a great way to scale, and it can catch fire. And I, and I have another specific example, but this involves hundreds of kids. So yeah, we um, participate in Aloha United Way the, and uh, raise money for, you know, the many charities that they support. And uh, I, I thought, well, gosh, what could we do to um, invite student creativity and innovation into that sort of a campaign? And so what we have going on now is we challenge students to find one of the charities that they care about, design their own sticker, and, it, you know, that's pretty low cost of goods. It's an easy entry point as an entrepreneur, right? Sell some stickers. And so... They craft an original sticker with um, a design that celebrates the mission of one of those charities, and they, they rework the mission statement in their own words, and they try to have it as, as much impact as possible. Then they get out there, and they sell it to family and friends. And they, you know, we print up a sticker sheet for them, and they sell their stickers, and then they, they come back and make their donations. And, and what have they done there? Well, they've, they've connected with the community uh, through their creativity and innovation, They've spread the word on the causes they care about. They've practiced entrepreneurship at such a young age, and I think that's going to be invaluable for them. It gives them the confidence, hey, I can do this. I can be an entrepreneur, and I think it will lead to higher rates of success. And finally, what we're always trying to teach is think in terms of the triple bottom line, three Ps, people, planet, and profit. So people, how are you helping your community? You know, what, what cause do you celebrate? How are you bringing attention to it? planet what are you doing uh, that's sustainable about your business and then the profits 
what are you going to be supporting with uh, the profits you make? Well, so, okay, so so I, I appreciate the the detail. I want to give Josh a last chance to say where the where the panel is going to be and where can people sign up. Okay, um, thank you, Mark. Um, so the panel is going to be at Entrepreneur Sandbox October eighteenth, um, and Bert, uh, the Eventbrite URL is actually a little bit too long. Okay, to provide no here. problem, no problem. Um, I'll, I'll put that up on our show notes. Ian Kitajima, Oceanist Tech Sherpa. We got uh, Mark Lockridge, director of the Case Center, a Case Accelerator for Student Entrepreneurship, and of course uh, Joshua Poon, ambassador for What School Could Be. I want to thank them all for joining us today, and of course thank you for listening to Bite Mars Cafe. Join us next week when we'll talk about data science over at Chaminade University. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find a podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. Of course, our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app your and your favorite podcast application. You stay safe. You stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Mars Cafe. Stay tuned. Reveal is next. Mm-hmm.